I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I'm glad you asked that, Graham. Something's bothering me. Where are the Daleks? My oldest enemies and they're nowhere to be seen. One thing is for certain. Wherever they are, they're sure to be planning something. Something horrifying. Can I get you anything, sir? May I please have a You know what's funny? I'm annoyed that that was an audio sketch because if a Dalek was on a beach drinking mojitos, I bet you anything that they'd be wearing coconut halves for each of those round knobbly things on their bodies, you know, like a coconut bra, but it doesn't matter. Hi, I'm Paul Verhoeven here with you for another episode of The Doctor Is In. I hope you all enjoyed my chat last week with Mandip Gill. That's Yaz to you. Because this week on the show, I'll be talking to the other Yaz. Yasmin Abdel-Magid, uh, writer, engineer, broadcaster, and massive, massive Doctor Who fan, live from London. Well, I say live, it was a pre-record. Basically, I just lied to you. Do I feel bad about that? Yes, a little bit. All right, I'll change the subject. Time now for Whose News Is It Anyway? First up in Doctor Who news, Custard Cream's news. I never thought I'd say that out loud. Arwell Wynne-Jones, who is the designer of the new TARDIS, has explained in an interview that the biscuit dispenser in the new console is actually a nod to Jodie. If you look closely at the new TARDIS console, uh, specifically... In the episode where Jody was running around uh, operating all the different dials and levers, it's got lots of really fiddly, great design elements, but maybe my favorite is the fact that it dispenses uh, custard creams, which um, the Doctor discovers when she actually, you know, hits the controls for the first time. According to Wynne Jones, um, he got that idea when Jodie Whittaker was filming her first scene. He explained, I wanted to make the console feel like it was Jodie's. I'd started designing the TARDIS before I knew it was Jodie playing the Doctor. And then when I was at the filming of The Regeneration, I found out that custard creams were her favorite biscuit and an idea was born. That is just fantastic. The real question here is, and I want you all to consider this, if you were the Doctor, which biscuit would your TARDIS dispense for you? My problem is um, my ancestry is Dutch, and uh, I don't know if you've ever had stropwaffles or stroopwaffles. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's sort of like a, it's a, well, it's waffle, right? Like it's a round waffle wafer thing, and it's got caramel in it. Now, I treat them like they're biscuits. I dip them in tea. Problem is, because of the high caramel content and the fact that the TARDIS console would, I assume, heat up a bit, uh, there will probably be like gooey caramel drifting through the circuits. Drifting. Caramel doesn't drift. I have no idea how our biscuits work, apparently. Problem is, there's actually bugger all Doctor Who news this week, so there's only one more story. According to the Mirror over in the UK, there's not going to be a Christmas episode this year. It's been so long since we ha- It's been 13 years. Chibnall has said that, apparently, after 13 years of Christmas episodes, they've basically just run out of ideas for Christmas stories. I sort of think we might have mined and possibly overmined every single thing we could about Christmas in Doctor Who, and the last time we more or less ignored it, Chibnall said. 
What are your thoughts on this? Because, I mean, we're probably going to get a bonus episode around the story. Um, Chibnall said, I would definitely think there's another episode after the end of the series. And The Mirror in the UK reports that the episode will be a New Year's Day special instead of a Christmas special with a story related to the coming of the new year. Um, I'm pretty much okay with this. As Chibnall pointed out, the last Christmas episode of Doctor Who didn't really have much Christmas in it. I mean, it had snow, but there's nothing inherently Christmassy about snow. Christmas doesn't have a monopoly on snow. Also, and this, I mean, we may have been burying the lead here, but this report from the Mirror also suggests that this might be the only episode of Who in 2019, as apparently the second season is delayed, which means we might not get more Doctor Who until 2020. What are we going to do during that year? I mean, listen, folks, if you want me to do The Doctor Is In during the hiatus year and just do it about classic Who, or maybe just, can we get an interview with Tennant? Can I just talk to Tennant every day for a year just to bridge that gap? Anyway, apparently that's all the time we have for news this week. So without further ado, let's have a chat with Yasmin Abdelmagid. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Actually, I'm... Going just outside a lift uh, before you called. Ah. Do you mind if I just get in the lift and you can call me in a minute, just so that I'm in like a um, a spot that I can sit for about twenty minutes? Wait, in a lift? Yeah, because um, I'm just gonna get in a lift <laughs> and go and. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and right. I don't want the line to cut out. Yeah, okay, great. I'll I'll call you back in like what two minutes? One minute? Two minutes ish? One minute. One, one minute. minute is fine. All right, girl. I'll talk to you in a second. Okay, <laughs> bye. Right. See you I I don't know whether she's taking the call in a, like, is there just a lift she can use for 20 minutes? Is that a thing? I mean, that doesn't seem safe. I mean, from like a safety perspective, that just doesn't seem pertinent. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll call Yasmin back now. I mean, you're all listening to this. This is, this is how the sausage is made. Wait, has it been a minute yet? Christ, this is a riveting radio. Hang on, here we go. I'm just going to try calling now because if she is in a lift and she picks up, then, you know, suddenly we're in an elevator. Uh, let's, let's all clear it up together. Here we go. I'm now calling Yasmin. Calling, calling, calling. It's going to be one of those episodes, I think. Hello, hello. So wait, just, I mean, the listeners are going to be curious about this because I'm probably going to keep all this in. Are you calling for, are we talking with you inside an elevator and is that safe? (laughs) I'm certain. Um, I mean, yes, I am inside an elevator. Right. Uh, Whether or not it's safe or not, I'm unsure. Also, the listeners just decided to not listen to my instructions. Okay. Um, and just going on the like, um, different floor. But, okay, wow. wait, so if, if, if people get into the elevator with you, are they going to become part of this interview? Or, like, how is this going to work? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, a, it's now a great situation. All right, great. Okay. All right, well, it's just, you know, the more the merrier. Oh, she's pressing buttons. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, you know, I mean, it, thematically, it seems, it seems thematically loosely on point, because, you know, it's a show about someone flying around in a tiny box with no idea what they're doing, so I... I you know. I actually planned it that way. Yep. Oh, you didn't, you bloody liar. Okay, first of all, um, what's it like having a character in the show uh, with a name remarkably similar to yours? Because I just wanted to call you Yaz. I mean, ever since, you know, we organized Can this I, interview. Honestly, when she was like, let's have tea at Yaz's, I was like, yes, let's all have tea at Yaz's. Oh. Come to my house, Jody, please. <laughs> <laughs> not only is the doctor female, but I am literally in the show. Like, I cannot be happier about the situation. I think you are in the show, and I think you should be getting bloody royalties at this rate. Do you have... What's it, what, what's it like having so much, like, so many boxes ticked uh, in terms of the show speaking to you 
you know, on so many new levels. Because, like, what's it like being you and a Doctor Who fan with this specific incarnation of the Doctor, with her specific companions? How does it feel? I, f- I feel like they just sat down and they were like, let's make a Doctor Who season about four Yasmin. Like, specifically for Yasmin. Like, also, it just happens that I'm in the UK now, right? And yeah. so I'm like, oh, wow, I recognize these places. And, oh, wow, like, it, it, it genuinely feels... I actually didn't know that I could reach this level of Whovianness, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I've, I've unlocked so many new, like, depths of... Yeah, it's, it's actually... Yeah, it resonates in a in a way that um, that is not only intellectual but deeply spiritual. Paul. <laughs> uh, okay, because I mean, I, no, I get that because I went to London for the first time um, with Tegan. I think a year ago, and like, I mean, I assume much like you, I grew up watching Doctor Who on the telly, and then suddenly yeah. got to London. And I'm like, oh, I'm just in the show now. Like, I'm just walking around. Yeah in the show. How have you found, um, not just Doctor Who, I mean, primarily because it's a Doctor Who podcast, but how did you find um, moving to London and having it just drenched with cultural tropes? Uh, you know, whether, whether it's Who or Bond or Potter. <laughs> it's a total trip. Like, and I mean, it's funny because my English, my English or British friends are constantly like, yes, yes, we know. I'm like, look, it's the bridge. Or like, look, it's the... Bu-. I mean, I, I definitely... I, I, I grew out of that after about three months of saying that. But genuinely, even... Um, I'm also watching Killing Eve at the moment, which is another... Like, there are a whole bunch of really great British series, right? Yeah. And it's really funny being like, oh, wow, that scene, I can go outside and go there, yeah. right? Um, it feels surreal. And it, it just makes you feel like you are in a magical fantasy world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I'm sure that the Brits... I don't know if they necessarily agree with that, but um, I, I know that it's an experience shared by many Australians when they get here. They're like, oh, wow, this is real. Yeah. And I know it's, it's slightly harder to do with Doctor Who because Doctor Who is set in... Well, I mean, it's set in Sheffield now. Have you been to Sheffield yet? I don't... Yeah. Have you been? It's really funny that... Uh, I haven't been to Sheffield. I have friends from there, funnily right. enough. But what I, I really enjoyed, like, they made, like, references to, like, Sheffield Steel and, um, and, and to be fair, like, the, uh, the buildings aren't that different looking in London in some parts to Sheffield. So it, it does generally feel quite familiar. And the accents are great. Yeah, the accent's thick as gravy. It's it's awesome. And you know, the other Yaz has as a very hang on, so just just a quick elevator check. Are you are you doing okay? Is anyone else in there with you? <laughs> I I had a good uh, a good bit of banter as they laughed at, at um in this group situation in the elevator, they laughed at my uh, love of the, the buses. Um, but I'm now outside the elevator, so Oh damn it. <laughs> so we're all good. <laughs> oh, bugger. Okay, I thought this was going to be like a weird running thing. That's okay. Oh, the whole... I mean, I could definitely get back in the elevator. That w- could be fun. Would you? Would you? <laughs> <laughs> would you? Could you get back in? I think we... I just, just, just ride the elevator for the rest of this interview. To be fair, like, you know, I'm leveling up, as it were, literally and figuratively. Yeah, great. Well, look, I mean, I'm not going to... The listeners won't... I mean, I, I'd say they won't know. They couldn't tell if you actually got back in, but we know. Like, we'll... We, we, can, we can smell it. So if you want to hop back in and just press all the buttons and just see what happens. <laughs> so, so listen, I guess I should get on to 
the topic at hand. How did you, I mean, we're talking about going to England and having been infused with, you know, Britishisms like Doctor Who and stuff. How did you get into Doctor Who? What are, you, what are your earliest memories? Were you a childhood convert? Uh, yeah, so my, my father has always been a sci-fi fan, right? And so we were, we were like initially forced to sit in front of the television and watch, and, and you know, like the old school seasons of Doctor Who, the yeah. graphics that are just super confusing. And um, <laughs> and so, like, I, I remember sitting down and being, to be fair, slightly confused as to what was going on, but then kind of growing up. To me, my, my sort of first personal, like, adult relationship with Doctor Who probably started around David Tennant, early years of David Tennant sure. and Donna, um, and even, oh, what's the name? Billy? Billy something? Oh, Billy Papa, um, yeah, right. companion. Yeah, Billy Piper, the companion. Like, those are my early memories. Mm. And there was, even, there was like, a South Asian woman before Billy Piper, I think, or maybe slightly after. Those were, like, like my memories of Doctor Who were... Like, I, I loved fantasy. Like, I loved reading fantasy. For me, like, books and stories were an escape um, from the the small Brisbane life that I lived, right? And yeah. so Doctor Who, I think, was this really... Not only, like, profound... Um, I guess, commentary on all sorts of issues, but also really funny, right? A lot of the time, Doctor Who's really funny. And, and, and I really enjoyed that kind of, like, mix of, like, fantasy and comedy um, and, and, like, British humour and drama and wit uh, and sarcasm often. Um, and so I, I remember, like, the early years I would, like, completely binge watch and then I sort of went through a couple of years of, you know, stepping back. I think to be perfectly honest... Um, I really enjoyed Matt Smith at the beginning, and then I, I kind of fell away towards the latter end That's of Matt Smith's time. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, Peter Capaldi, and I just expected him to swear all the time. Um, then, I guess, um, the hype for, for Jodie has been pretty pretty exciting. And honestly, I, I, I'll, be, I'll be really, really honest, I did not know how to feel about it just because I had seen Jodie in another series called Broadchurch. Yes. Um, and... She played this like really grief-stricken mother, and I really I felt really strongly about that show. Funnily enough, David Tennant was also in that show, yeah. um, and I really did not know if I could imagine her in another role. But the minute I saw that first episode, and I was like, "Wow, she really she is really the Doctor." You know that kind of those, the funny kind of personality quirks and so on. I was like, "Wow, she is completely Doctorish." I don't know how she did it, but this is great, and I fell in love immediately. So is she ranking pretty high on your favourite doctors, or is she at the top? Where where does she yeah. sit? Yeah, ooh, it's, I mean, I'm gonna have to give her a bit more time. I think David Tennant will always be my favourite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I've just got a soft spot for him. Um, I don't know the accent or the just like the ridiculous charm or like his relationship with Donna, which I just rated so highly. Mm. Um, but Jodie, Jodie's come in. Wow, very quickly. I didn't realise it's the second place. So and that's only four episodes in. So this is. Great. Yeah, she's a lot. I'm noticing she's a lot gentler and a lot more passive. But I, I'm really looking forward to seeing where they take the character because again, she's basically still cooking. Like the cement's still wet with her doctor. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it'll be really interesting to see how she deals with like different pressure points, um, and you know whether they kind of develop her in a different way to previous doctors or um, like because the reality is that she is a woman, right? And so does. 
do the writers think that that changes your the way that you deal in certain situations or not? I'm really curious about it. Well, yeah, because so, I, I mean, be presumably when you if you suddenly flip genders, I don't care what, what alien species you are, you're going to get an influx of chemicals. Like, you're going to get some sort of, like, weird new instincts and feelings kicking in, and that's great. Like, that's, that's sci-fi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think they're going Can to... Say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, 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 I don't know if the doctor gets the theory, but when the doctor gets the theory, <laughs> let me tell you, it is going to be hilarious because men just have no idea, right? <laughs> oh, God. You know what I mean? I mean, that would be hilarious. It'll just be, like, yes, yes, I need help. Yes, Amy, something's gone wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I need a plug. What's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, so, I think that, I, I don't know if that's what, I don't know if that's what aliens get periods, but, um, you know, it's one, it's an area to watch. <laughs> we can, I mean, we can, I mean, <laughs> are you, are you still in the lift, by the way? Are, or did you get back in? Or you, did you get back in? Um, there is now a cleaner cleaning the lift. Well, I mean, um, ask, ask I'm them with a whole life cycle. All right. I mean, <laughs> no, you know what? It's probably best to live out of this. Um, listen, what do you think? I mean, obviously the doctor's a woman now, and you know that's that's fantastic, mm. and Jodie's nailing it. But what do you think? What do you think the role of a show like this serves in a year that is like? the pint of bin, bin juice that is 2018 like what do, what do you think this show is what do you think it's doing what do you think it's capable of doing I am really excited about the show because at, in the way that it is at the moment because I think it has the potential to bring not only a whole new group of people to Doctor Who yeah. but show that um, you don't have to be a particular way to um, be a particular show and, and let me explain that so, like, the way that I that I see this particular season is that they've been able to do diversity in a way to me that seems like they're not screaming about it, yeah. right? Like, yes, okay, everyone's like, yeah, the doctor's a woman, like that's great, but you know, we've got different ages in the companion. We've got different. We've got working class folk in the companion. We've got a black person and an Asian person and a white person. We've got someone dealing with grief. Um, this is like genuine diversity, right? We've got two men who are having conversations about grief and emotions, one who is trying to help the other um, through that yeah. in a way that is gentle and in a way that is, that is talking to, you know, masculinity. And I mean, I think gen generally the doctor, doctor who has like tried to touch on these things, but in a time like we are today, it is incredibly profound and, and incredibly needed. And also, the number of people that, you know, have always thought that sci-fi was for, like, you know, no, no offense intended to anyone, but, like, white nerdy guys, right? I think that's, like, if you're outside the world of it, that's sometimes what the impression is. Yeah. You're like, oh, there's this great sci-fi show that's got all these people that I can, that, that kind of look like me. Maybe it's not just for people that aren't like me. And that, for me, is really exciting. Like, the number of mates that I've told about Doctor Who, and they're like, oh, I thought that was, like, some super nerdy thing. I'm like, I mean, yeah, but also... <laughs> You know, it's like, it's a show about people, it's a show about humanity, it's a show about adventure, um, and it's a show where it's not just about um, people and aliens that don't look like you. It's an entry point, I think, for a lot of folks who would never have considered the show before, and that is really, really lovely to me, because when you love something, you want everyone to kind of get amongst it, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm 
definitely having Doctor Who watching parties at my house. <laughs> so, do you think that if we flash back to young Yaz, as I'm now calling you forever, um, being forced to watch Doctor Who, <laughs> and instead of, you know, Tom Baker bumbling into a paper mache lobster the size of a house, it's it's Jodie Whittaker and it's the current crew of the, of the TARDIS, what, what, what effect do you think that would have had on you as a kid? Can I just, before I even answer that, can I just tell you, like, I, even as you said that, even as you asked that question, I just felt this, like, oh, I don't know, like, it's, it's, it's quite emotional, right? Like, it's, um, I, particularly as, like, a young, you know, African-born Muslim girl growing up in Brisbane, I just never saw myself on screen, and, and I don't think I ever really was sad about that, I just, that, I thought that that was the way the world was, but... And, but I always wanted to have adventures. I always wanted to, you know, I was out here reading The Famous Five and The Secret Seven and, you know, watching Doctor Who and imagining myself in all of these places. And then to actually see myself, like, to know that there are kids who are, like, young black kids or young whatever kids watching this and actually seeing themselves having these adventures. I think it may give them this passport to... Um, an imagination they didn't even know they had, or at least I hope so anyway. Do you think that um, that sense of adventure would propel someone like you to do something as stupid as plowing into a lift and doing a podcast? (laughs) 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 For some reason I think that, 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 you know, I would probably do that anyway, but who knows, who knows? I mean, this is my new time, like, let's be real. Yeah, it's going to be very hard to make you leave, actually. I, I don't know if you're allowed to inhabit an elevator. I think it's te- it's technically a thoroughfare. Is this like... Look, I have snacks in my bag. It's fine. I can, as, um, you know, as in the last episode, I can now live here for six months. Okay, look, um, no, one, no one's making you leave. You can stay there as long as you want until Mr. Big comes and yells at you or whatever. Um, how weird was it seeing Chris Noth in, in, in Doctor Who, by the way? How weird was it having Mr. Big rock up? Oh, my goodness. Um... Wait, sorry, say that again. The cool. elevator cut it out a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Is the, is the place you're choosing to have a hunger strike in any way impeding on the recording process? That's okay. Um, I was, it doesn't matter. I was, I was talking out of my ass. I think, I, I think, you know, I think my point was made. Please don't leave the elevator, Yaz. I'm loving calling you Yaz. That's that's a thing. I need you to change your I name officially. I love you calling me Yaz because now I... I feel like I'm in the show, um, like, at this very moment. Well, she was so, on, um, yeah, Mandip was on last week. Uh, I wish I could have had you two in the same elevator together, just, you know. Just... Oh, my God, what? Yeah. Rah. yeah. I'm going to have to find her. That she... sounds creepy. Yep, it does. Um, and and the police know where you are now, because I'll, I'll tell them, wait, which elevator you're in? You know, just... <laughs> Keep, keep it stum. Um, I'm in elevator seven, obviously. Don't tell me. I see what you're doing. Um, <laughs> well, look, Yaz, uh, please um, just make sure that you got some fresh air in there because I know those things fill up with um, with um, carbon monoxide pretty quickly. And you've been an absolute delight. And yeah, I'll have to have you on it again sometime. I think that was that was weird and, and good. That would be great. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. It's time for Companion Piece. This week, we're doing something very, very different. Typically in Companion Piece, I will look at a beloved Doctor Who companion, but I thought I'd do something a little off the map this episode. Do you like data from Star Trek? You know, the android who's learning to become human? How cool would it be to have him on the TARDIS? Yeah? Just just uh, keep that in your head for a second. Now, do you like sleek Art Deco android design? Do you like a compelling companion arc? Then you'll hate Chameleon! Now, the fifth Doctor met Chameleon first... 
Chameleon was a shape-changing android, hence the name. And the Master was using Chameleon to impersonate King John. And the Doctor was like, you're not all bad. Come with me on the TARDIS. Canine is long gone. Wouldn't it be cool to have a robot buddy learning how to be less of a robot on the TARDIS? Wrong. Wouldn't it? Wrong. Whatever you're about to say, wrong. It'll suck, Doctor. It will absolutely suck. Let's just pause for a minute, everybody. Why am I so down on Chameleon? Not down with Chameleon. That would imply that I liked Chameleon. Why am I so angry about Chameleon? Because even the showrunners and the crew and the cast, specifically Peter Davison, hated Chameleon. Now, Chameleon only appeared twice in Doctor Who. That doesn't mean Chameleon was only in two episodes. It means that Chameleon was, like, around... It's, it's very complicated. Let me explain. Basically, further appearances uh, of Chameleon in the show were absolutely impossible due to the special effects required. Now, a scene involving Chameleon was filmed for part one of The Awakening, but got edited out before it was aired due to the episode overrunning. They just cut him out of the show, I guess. Uh, I mean, look, The Awakening had a lot of filler in it already, so I don't know. They could have just cut some... Let's be honest. As a result, there are no references to Chameleon in any episodes between the King's Demons and Planet of Fire. Not even in The Five Doctors, uh, which takes place after Chameleon appeared in the show. People said Chameleon wasn't just a great idea executed in a really dumb garbage way, but that the actual robot, the actual prop, was cursed. This was a legitimate concern of people at the time. Chameleon's software designer, Mike Power, that is a great name, that is a powerful name, was actually killed in a boating accident. I'm not making fun of that, but the guy who designed the robot died in a boating accident not long after the robot was locked into appear in the show, and he never made a fully functioning document of operating notes. So he never got to put the instructions down. Uh, meaning people had to operate a complex ro- a complex robot without having the instructions because the, the guy who invented him died in a boating accident. Again, not laughing at that, just laughing at the stupid robot. Okay, so they tried to provide an explanation in the plot as to why the robot just wasn't functioning properly. And uh, they did that in an episode called The Crystal Bucephalus, which is just would make the best band name ever, where Chameleon's loyalty, I'm doing rabbit fingers here, to, you know, very strong minds causes him to be used against the Doctor, which uh, prompts him to decide to just stay in the TARDIS so that he can't be used against his friends in the future, you know, which is really noble of him. Although, in in truth, he just sort of sat there like a rusted car hulk in the yard of a redneck. Eventually, Chameleon was possessed by the Master and shapeshifted to look like Perry's dad or something. And then he got shrunk, and then he got unshrunk, and then he got unpossessed. And at the end, at the very end, Chameleon was, you know, in agony over his possession and his manipulation. And he begged the Doctor to kill him. And his final words were, destroy me, please. And they did. According to Peter Davison in uh, this featurette, called Metal Man. Any sign of regret shown by him slash the Doctor during Chameleon's death was pure acting. Because, you know, he was glad the dumb robot was dead. And that marked the end of this stupid, idiot robot companion in Doctor Who. The moral of the story here is this. Not all companions are created equal. Some are created very badly by a guy who dies in a goddamn boating accident and doesn't leave any instructions. (laughs) Sadly, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of The Doctor Is In. Thank you so much to Yaz number two. I mean, she's Yaz number one to me. 
And uh, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to head across to iTunes and uh, please rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends about it. Don't forget to get across to the website, thedoctorisin.show, to check out all the other people that have appeared on this show. And speaking of people appearing on this show, the next few episodes are going to be bonkers. Uh, next week, I'll be chatting with uh, a certain writer of a certain episode that is airing a certain next week. And um, the episode after that, uh, another one of Doctor Who's companions is going to be popping into the studio to have a chat. So make sure you tune in for that. In the meantime, though, keep... Gosh, should have come up with a catchphrase. God damn it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.